Hello, I'm Nick Phillips, back with another Talking Spirituality podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the diversity of spiritual paths in the town of Glastonbury today. So let's start with a little background. Glastonbury, from medieval to modern times, has seen an interesting evolution. As we all know, the Abbey was a monastery of male Benedictine monks, and its tradition as a Christian place of worship is acknowledged and honoured to this day. However, we tend to forget that rather than being a homogenous community, the town that grew around the Abbey and supported its pilgrim trade would have been diverse. The fame of the Abbey and its legends of King Arthur and Joseph of Arimathea would have drawn people from significant distance and from all walks of life. We see evidence of this in the existence of the 15th century inn, the Georgian Pilgrim, which still stands on the High Street, and the archaeology of the Abbey that suggests a very large building that may have been a hostel along its north wall. In the centuries following the dissolution of the monasteries and the dismantlement of the Abbey, the town of Glastonbury focused on farming and the wool and leather trades, and looked much like any other Somerset town. But, interestingly, in the course of the 20th century, revival in interest in the myths and legends associated with Glastonbury has transformed the town into a place where tourism is the main trade and, once again, pilgrimage is the main draw. The Arthurian revival began in the 19th century, with interest in King Arthur reawakened by the romantic poets such as Tennyson. There was also a growing Anglican interest in the claim of the Abbey as the site of the first Christian church in England, which led to its purchase by the Church of England in 1907. The first Avalonians, a title often used to mean those of alternative spiritual belief, became prominent in the early 20th century. Amongst them, author Dion Fortune, archaeologist Frederick Blybond, Rutland Boughton, who started the first Glastonbury Festival of Music and Drama at the Assembly Rooms, and Alice Buckton, who purchased and transformed the Chalice Well into a craft and theatre space. The New Age ideas of the 1960s, concentrated on earth energy and phenomena such as ley lines, made popular in the books of John Michel and others. And in the 70s, the world-famous Glastonbury Festival at Pilton began bringing an annual migration of counterculture communities to the area, many of whom came to identify Glastonbury as their spiritual home and settled in the area. Glastonbury continued to welcome travellers in the 1980s, a haven for those displaced by tensions at other sacred sites, such as Stonehenge, where their communities came into conflict with the authorities. Whilst other towns struggled to change when old industries became obsolete, Glastonbury reasserted itself as a spiritual melting pot, with its high street offering numerous trinket shops and pilgrim paraphernalia, much as it might have in the Middle Ages at the height of the pilgrim trade. And the people who inhabit the town today are incredibly diverse in their outlook, beliefs and priorities. I'm joined today by Reverend Sister Diana Greenfield, who's the town's Avalon Pioneer Minister for the Diocese of Bath and Wells. Thank you for being here, Diana. That's an interesting role title. Um, can you tell us a bit about what it involves and what it means for the local community? 
So uh, the job title, I guess, if we start with Avalon, um, mm -hmm. covers the geography of the role, which for the church means uh, the two benefices of Street and Glastonbury, mm -hmm. which covers Mere, Glastonbury, Walton Street and Compton Dundon. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the pioneer role is that the Church of England some years back decided that they needed to have some priests who weren't solely focused on being parish priests, but had roles that were more diverse, more broad, more outward focusing, more community focused. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's probably where I fit. <laughs> uh, you mentioned um, the neighbouring town of Street, as well as uh, as being based in Glastonbury. Do you find it, the two have a very different character in the, sort of the people <laughs> that you deal with? <coughs> Excuse me. That always makes me laugh. It's almost like if you don't know the area, you like that's only a question you would ask yeah. if you didn't know the area. Um, there's a river that divides Street and Glastonbury called the River Brew, and I often feel that it should be about three thousand miles wide. Um, I meet people who uh, from Glastonbury who simply won't go to Street, or there's one chap who says if he goes from Glastonbury to Street, he thinks he becomes like Dwayne Dibley, the alter ego of the cat from. Um, uh, Red Dwarf, if you remember the story, um, and uh, he the the character is so different. It's very normal. Uh, street is very ordinary. It's quite consumerist, and it's well, I guess you could describe Glastonbury consumerist, but in a very different way. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, it's much more about you know revolving around the clock village. I also yeah. kind of um, for a long time I kind of compared them in colours and I look at mm. street as quite grey and Glastonbury <laughs> is quite rainbow yeah so. <laughs> that's a good description yeah so so street where it kind of um evolved around that that industry the 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 shoemaking industry and it's kind of carried that on whereas Glastonbury has reverted to this kind of pilgrim place yeah and I think there's something about the spiritual character of the two communities as well I think you know street has been defined for years by the uh, Clark's family who are Quakers yeah and the yeah. Qu Quakerism is very subdued it's very quiet it's very settled whereas actually although uh, there were Quakers in Glastonbury through the Morlands family. Actually, it wasn't the defining uh, family of what Glastonbury is. And so the diversity mm. of the spirituality has really affected the town, I think. Yeah. Um, so the, the pioneer part of the role you mentioned. Um, so this is quite a relatively new new thing. Um, was there anyone doing this this in Glastonbury before before you Not started? Not me. No, I've been here 12 and a half years and there was not a pioneer before then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and what did you do before you came to Glastonbury? Um, tell us a bit about your background. OK, so my title, as you said, is Reverend Sister. I was um, or I still am part of an organisation called Church Army, uh, which specialises in kind of going to the places that uh, other parts of the church don't reach, as it were. Um, so for eight years before I came here, I was a nightclub chaplain. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, uh, when I left school, I worked for a research company. Um, and uh, yeah, I suppose I've spent the best part of the last 20 years one way and another working for the church but um yeah more recently as an ordained priest mm -hmm. the the power of glastonbury is this spiritual epicenter has caused many people to relocate here 
Um, and I read this quote from from Barry Taylor, who was the co-founder of the, the Glastonbury Pilgrim Reception Centre. And he estimated that there are 9,000 people in Glastonbury and 3,500 of them have been called here. Would you agree with that? Oh, it's interesting. I've heard different versions of mm. or interpretations of that. There are, I do meet a lot of people who believe that they have been called to Glastonbury for one reason or other. I'd be surprised if it was as many as three and a half thousand. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people in Glastonbury simply get on with their ordinary everyday lives and just kind of dip in and dip out of the spirituality thing as it occurs. Um yeah, but I think sometimes the three and a half thousand might be quite a lot less, but they mm -hmm. shout a lot louder. It's, yeah, it seems more visible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know that you also regularly attend Glastonbury Festival, which, of course, these days is very different to Glastonbury Town itself. Um, though in its early days, as I was saying earlier, um, it drew people of a spiritual nature to settle in the town. Um, do you have interesting conversations with people at the festival today about spirituality? Is it still something that's present in the mind of a general festival goer? It's an interesting question. Um, I do have conversations about spirituality. Um, uh, they're often really intrigued that I'm at the festival walking around in a dog collar and I'm often wearing a top hat and slightly <laughs> unusual clothing. So, uh, it, you know, they, they, they can't quite work out if I'm dressed up as a vicar as, a, mm. as opposed to actually being one. Um, but, uh, yeah, they. I think there's a, there's a, there's a kind of underlying essence of knowing what Christians or thinking people know what Christians actually believe um, and uh, so that often kind of draws conversation you know even mm. if it's to tell me that they don't believe in the God I believe in mm. or um, you know that those kind of things and so yeah I, I do think it's important and a friend of mine um, actually has just been writing a um, master's thesis on the the nature of Glastonbury Festival as a place of pilgrimage mm. and considering the kind of theological and, and yeah. um, spiritual perspectives. Of yeah I that. guess it is like a, a pilgrimage in itself for some people like an annual kind of. Very much so yeah. I mean people come back because that's where they met their partners and mm. decide to get their weddings blessed they have their the, they have their children baptized there they have hand fastings mm. you know there is often quite a kind of spiritual nature to not everyone obviously there's an awful lot of people that just come for the music or the yeah, kind of yeah. the, the getting drunk and rolling around in the mud but um there are a lot of people who come back because they consider their something to, to be something spiritual and i do think that those people often will make their own pilgrimage to the town in in mm. you know either later months or later years yeah. um because they recognize the connection between the town and the festival although it's not maybe as obvious as mm. as some of the townsfolk would like to see <laughs> it does have that that kind of history where the other other festivals don't have yeah that definitely. kind of spiritual undercurrent to it um but now since this is an abbey podcast going back to the medieval abbey and what i was saying about it not being one homogenous society um there would i think have been a difference between the the high christianity or the, the dogma observed by the monks and the lay Christianity, which is um, part of what academics now call vernacular religion. And it's within this vernacular religion that the Abbey legends flourished. Um, whilst Christian in basis, they're, they're non-canonical and become 
popular outside of the church's influence although there no doubt they were encouraged at the abbey through the provision for pilgrims to visit healing chapel of joseph of arimathea for example and i think today in glastonbury we see the same phenomenon where traditions grow organically and draw in new people who help to shape and broaden the beliefs associated with the place um, would you agree that glastonbury is an example of this kind of vernacular religion coexisting alongside the received religions uh, it's interesting. Um, I don't think I've heard the term vernacular religion. I mm. guess um, I understand it as perhaps folk religion. Mm. Uh, so yeah, there's yeah. a kind of sense of folk Christianity, which is a twist on, um, you know, what would be recognised as more orthodox Christianity. Is that, mm -hmm. is, is that kind of yeah. what you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in which case I would say yes. Um, and although some people come to visit um, the Chapel of Joseph Ramathia, I think because of the rise in feminism um mm. and the divine feminine and obviously you know that we've got this movement of goddesses in glastonbury um i think the the thing that attracts the most people and often it's tourists from kind of spain and mm. italy so it's the catholics in some sense um look for the magdalene they're looking for so for example you've got uh, St Margaret's Chapel which is just across the road from Glastonbury Abbey yeah. um, and probably was connected to the Abbey in the past mm -hmm. um, and often people look for it as the Magdalene Shrine it's it's not yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's actually dedicated to St Margaret of Scotland but the almshouses next door which up until the 1960s were still council run almshouses for people to live in in, uh, they are the Royal Magdalene arms houses and people look for that place and think that it's the Magdalene shrine um, because they're looking for this connection with mm. it's on Mag Magdalene Street and they're looking for this connection with Mary Magdalene which again I think is this kind of almost folk religion because it's this this strange desire mm. to believe that Jesus was married to her or had some sort of kind of um connection to her that was more more deep than just her being one of his disciples um so that's where i see it most i think st john's church is emphasizing the fact that they've got the joseph ramrathia window and yeah. uh the the uh, one of the yeah. holy thorns is in st john's church grounds um and again there's a connection there but uh you know i think i think folk folk christianity has to sit alongside of the kind of the orthodox christianity because it's what it, it, it it's what most people mm. connect with and if we don't find ways to help them connect even if in the longer term we kind of work with them to develop their more deeper understanding um there has to be a place to start yeah yeah and and this it's not like just a new thing this is something that would have been happening in the middle ages people ha doing their own kind of thing and believing variations on what um you know the the kind of orthodox of the 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 abbey would have been following well um, yeah and it's not just the abbey i mean although you know so my uh specialism is um 
in a sense, the conversation between pagans and Christians. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at St. Bridget, the goddess Bridget. And again, there is this, but it was the monks from the church who wrote the stories of Bridget that have been kind of reinvented and people are reconnecting with their inner kind of folk religion way and Mm -hmm. almost kind of reinterpreting what she was, reflecting back from what the monks wrote down. (laughs) Um, So again, I see it there. Mm. Now, um, one of the the oft-repeated facts, I say facts in the kind of uh, quotations about the town today, is that there are more than 70 practicing spiritual faiths and paths in Glastonbury. Now, for one thing, I'd, like, I'd love to know just how that number was uh, recorded, but I imagine as well that it's kind of a living, changing number. Um, and I think that many people resist labels and may change how they define their spirituality what in the the 90s and um, 70s and 80s might have been called the the new age community of Glastonbury is now a community that might reject the term new age because for many people that's become synonymous with commercialized sanitized ungrounded false spirituality Um, is, is this kind of reframing and redefining something that you often come across here Okay, that's a big question. <laughs> so uh, let's let's break it down. So the the seventy practicing spiritual faiths and paths in Glastonbury was something that the Pilgrim Reception Centre researched back around the time I first arrived mm-hmm. here, um, and put together um, a, an event that was kind of. A, it's celebrating the unity, unity and diversity of the town, and I know that there was an event at the chalice well where there were representatives from each of those different faith paths um who went to the chalice well and all lit a candle from one united candle and all brought some water from Mm -hmm. uh their own spiritual you know bearing in mind that candles candles and water are often quite unifying factors now i also know that at that particular event there were like the 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 um all the different churches in the town so you've got the united reform the catholic you've got the methodist the church of england um and there's a free church as well and the gospel hall most of those different church groups were represented at that and counted individually there were different groups of wiccan druid um uh and so on and so forth that again were represented there um and they're very similar to one another in many ways Mm. the goddess movement um that were represented like each individually so that kind of counted the 70 as i i guess um (laughs) but so that that's the first thing and you're absolutely right it's a living changing number because you could have one person in the town that says actually I'm a this, yeah. um, and then they move away. And it's then, quite possible in Glastonbury. Yeah, absolutely. And but but in some ways, that's not dissimilar to any other part of the country. It's just that in such a small place, mm. that's more unusual. Um, so so yeah, the, the, there is that, and I mean, there's always the, the standing joke that if you've got enough money and you can't find the religion you're looking for in Glastonbury, uh, then someone will invent one for you. Um, <laughs> This is slightly cynical, but it's that kind of recognition of of Glastonbury being this kind of commercialised um, uh, spiritual place, the 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 kind of mind body wallet culture, I guess. <laughs> um, 
And also, like in terms of your comment about the the new age, um, yeah, I mean, I would say Glastonbury tends to be more new age than pagan in some ways. Mm. Um, and new age kind of focuses on such a diverse selection. Um, but it's the kind of new religious movements that kind of sums that up more clearly. Um, and and as you say, they start and they stop and sometimes they're cults and sometimes they're not. Um, uh, sooner or later, there's going to, there has to be a collective word that unites <laughs> those that that don't believe in mainstream orthodox religion whether mainstream orthodox religion is islam christianity judaism because mm. there are the eight world religions listed and then everything else so i don't know how you define it if you don't find some term that so i i quite like the new religious movements term mm. Mm. yeah yeah a new age is kind of the the term has just kind of fallen out of vogue i think and people do kind of think think of it in a negative way people who might have been under that umbrella now want to kind of say i'm not associated with that but i'm doing but this. it was also such an all-encompassing umbrella yeah. from um you know kind of those people that believed in aliens and ufos and uh to those people who use crystals for healing those people mm. who read tarot cards um you know it literally offer astrology which actually isn't thousands of years old as a practice so mm -hmm. you know it, it encompassed so much and i think it, in a sense it probably is fair mm. to reject the term but it was new to uh this country and this context in the 70s and 80s when yeah. the world became much more easily accessible Mm. I think maybe it's the the kind of rejection of wanting to be labelled and, and sort of lumped in with. with well, that's others. very postmodern, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing that um, sometimes causes consternation is um, when people self-identify as Glastonian, meaning traditional conservative with a small c, um, people whose families have always lived in Glastonbury, as opposed to Avalonian or sometimes called Glastafarian, meaning the incomers to the town, um, who are usually drawn here by alternative spiritual beliefs. Um, do you think that the, the sharp distinction between the alternative and the non-alternative community has lessened in, the, in recent years? I do. Uh, but I also think it's a generational thing. Mm, so I mm. think the it, off. I very rarely come across people who would consider themselves Glastonian these days. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me, unless they are um, uh, of the older generation. Yeah, there are very few younger people that kind of would identify as that because I guess if you've grown up in the town, you've your friends with you know children of. The, the income as the Glastafarians, yeah. then, then actually you are, it, it becomes a much more kind of homogenous set of beliefs mm. that you practice. So I do think, I mean, even in the last 10 years, I would say that yeah. the, the, the distinctions between alternative and non-alternative community have changed. Mm. Yeah, I think there's there's a, a less of a, an us and them feeling than there might have been maybe 20 years ago. Mm. Um, as we've seen like the integration of the Pilgrim Reception Centre, which is now part of the town's main information and welcome centre and more events that encourage whole community participation 
and and similarly with the abbey we're we're breaking down misconceptions that people have had in the past um things we've heard before like you have to be christian to work at the abbey or that we're funded by the church and therefore we're biased towards them um this is all categorically untrue um, imagine a workplace telling you what you had to believe in order to work there um but whilst um we're an independent charity not funded by the church our charitable charitable objectives do include honoring the christian heritage of the site as they should um but this doesn't mean to the exclusion of anyone else it's quite the opposite um through through a growing range of activities and events and interpretation i think we've become a much more diverse and inclusive place um than people might imagine a former monastery to be i hope you agree <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess so i haven't really thought about it but yeah yeah mm. i guess so i mean i yeah imagine a imagine a something telling you what you have to believe to work for them is probably not the right state statement to say to a christian priest but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i kind of have to be christian to believe that well, so yeah. um yeah but i do i do get it but um yeah, and I guess actually that is part of that, um, it, what you were talking about before, that kind of like inherent understanding of Christianity that isn't always accurate, that people mm. have either the kind of fake religion, this sense that, well, it's an abbey, so of course it's Christian, you know, um, and then assuming that they know what Christian is, which, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Can you give an example of an event where you felt there's a real unity in the community, not necessarily like an Abbey event, but any any in the town? Um, it's been really interesting. I think I would have to say that post-COVID, one of the most interesting events we've had in the town has been Beltane, um, mm. which uh, because, and I was um, interestingly part of the kind of planning group for Beltane because I'm one of the Glastonbury Dragon Drummers. And uh, to bring to, to bring the diversity of the alternative community together to celebrate Beltane, one of the eight, wheels of the, you know eight calendar dates for the wheel of the year um was really um, i really did think that was one of the most uniting things uh mm. that 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 there has been in the town for a long time it may seem a little unusual that mm -hmm. that me as a, a priest as part of that but you know on the other hand uh, you know i live in celtic land so you know they mm -hmm. are celtic it's a celtic calendar and it seems only appropriate to be celebrating that so yeah i i would say that that beltane's probably the most uniting yeah yeah and it usually kind of draws um national news you usually see pictures in in the newspapers from the, from the town yeah i mean they? we're very blessed with a very good local photographer who gets all sorts of things in the <laughs> national press but also it it does it attracts people internationally as well and and because i was part of the planning group i also saw the diversity of people who maybe wouldn't have worked together in the past that came together to to celebrate the different elements of it so mm -hmm. yeah no i think i think it was a very good thing yeah, I, I, mean, I personally, I think those festivals were probably, yeah, a, a community thing more than a, a religious thing. So, you know, celebrating the, you know, the the seasons of, um, you know, the, the harvest and there's not a whole lot different. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know I've got colleagues that have kind of done calendars where the Christian calendar overlaps the Celtic mm. word of the year. Um, and I, I do see, you know, for example, in in bulk and Candlemas or in Samhain and Halloween, they, yeah. um, they or All Saints Eve, they are really similar in their practices. Um, yeah. Lamas and Lunasay, they, you know, the 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 things that because it is about the land it is about you know agriculture and farming mm, and the yeah. rural nature of the context that we're in yeah. um it's much easier to mark them like that absolutely yeah and um finally do you have any wishes for the future things you'd like to see develop in Glastonbury towards even greater harmony um <laughs> that's an interesting question i'm just about to um start uh, my empirical research for my doctorate on the conversation between pagans and christians mm. and i guess what i want to do is get underneath some of that kind of um informal judgments that are often mm. made between mm. one group and the other and enable a more kind of deeper unity and a, a greater sense of dialogue that sits with those things that we don't agree with but more comfortably mm. um so yeah i mean I, that's always got to be a good thing uh, whether it will develop <laughs> into a greater sense of harmony who knows but that's where i've got to I guess it depends on the willingness of the participants. Absolutely, and most of them are local, so... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, thank you, Diana, for participating today, and um, thank you all at home for listening. We'll see you again in the next episode of Talking Spirituality. This has been a Glastonbury Abbey podcast. Glastonbury Abbey is an independent charity. You can support us by visiting the Abbey, becoming a member, or donating via our website, glastonburyabbey.com. Mm-hmm.